Hello everyone, you're very welcome to the National Leprechaun Museum's podcast here. I'm Paddy Holly. I'm joined by the wonderful, uh, the inevitable, Miss Emily Collins. Say hello, Emily. Hello, world. Uh, we're back after a very long hiatus. Uh, <laughs> it's been quite some time since. Bit of a gap here. Just a bit of a gap here. Yeah, we went through all kinds of things, though. I know we've had many adventures. Uh, we've we've carried the caravan out on the road. We've met strange, wonderful people. Yeah, we turned the caravan into a boat. We went to a funeral. Stayed in that awful, awful hostel. That wasn't that bad. I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> There's a, there's a lot of pretty good hostels all around Ireland, really, that are so awful they're good. You get good stories out of it. You you do you do <laughs> you do. Um, what we're coming up we're coming up to Christmas, and the problem for me with Christmas is that the run up to it is so very very long. Mm, it starts on before Halloween. And by the time you actually get to Christmas. Sick of it. You're, you are sick of it. It's a bit anticlimactic, is it? Because that's the whole point of Christmas, that essentially you do as little as possible except just sit back, relax, enjoy yourself. Well, that's the idea, but yeah. I'm not sure how much the reality matches up to it. That, that's very true. Um, that's very true. And in a sense, we we, we miss... In the modern world, we miss the whole point of having a festival in the middle of winter. Whether you call it Christmas or something else. Yeah, or Saturnalia or uh, the, the solstice. Uh, you, we miss the whole point of Christmas because the whole point of Christmas was, and those festivals was they came in the middle of winter because winter is so long and dark and, and hard. And wet. And my, father, my father is, you know... Is always given out if we have a turkey on a day that isn't Christmas. What? Or Easter. He's like, he says, oh, it's like Christmas every day now, you know. So, what does he think is meant to happen to turkeys the rest of the year? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. We uh, overrun with turkeys. We have a turkey call in December. Yeah, yeah. Turkeys should be allowed their freedom for the rest of the year and just. <laughs> Like sacrificial, they the turkeys also decide what turkeys have to go on for sacrifice on Christmas. I want to tribute. Yeah, yeah, Hunger Game turkeys. Um, uh, it could work. It could work. It could work. Yeah. Um, uh, the the goose the geese really started it. They they were yeah. you know getting dimension. They worked out sort of a PR deal. Get everyone to go after the turkeys. Leave the geese alone. Yeah. Must have been a, a good day in in the Goose Kingdom <laughs> when they found that the turkeys were coming yeah, I, over. I think they teamed up with um, Beatrice Potter. Uh, she got the Jemima Puddle Duck image and no one wanted to eat poor Jemima. Oh, yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Like, lo- lots of people would have eaten rabbit as well, going back. Uh, we, had, we had an old t- a mug at home as well. That was and written on the mug was the recipe for baking a hare. Really? Yeah. People can't see my face, but. Yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, hair is very stringy, naturally, so it has to be baked for quite some time to become yeah, any I'm, way succulent. I'm borderline vegetarian, so. Yeah. No. Uh, needless to say, I haven't eaten hair. Of course, I've got his Welsh rabbit. 
you'll, you'll eat. Rarebit, which is cheese on toast. <laughs> that's brilliant. That's brilliant. But uh, <laughs> we're the tangents. We we just get get used to it, people. This is, this is a long tangent. <laughs> get used to it, people, because this is this is essentially what we do is just uh, embark on various tangents. Where was it? Yes. So Christmas happens in the middle of winter, to, and we don't really experience that sense anymore because you know we have electricity, we have central heating. Yeah, so we don't really, yeah, we don't really need uh, the festival to 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 bring us out, uh, and the solstice, especially uh, in Ireland, it it was a sense that the world died. Yeah, uh, the everything ed- died. The trees yeah. died, the plants died, the sky died. Mm. The Egyptians had the sense that the sun was reborn every night, uh, but the Irish, uh, far more realistic, uh, <laughs> believed that the sun died uh, every year on the 21st. And they had to do things, religious things, that they performed various types of rituals and ceremonies to revive the sun, essentially to keep... To keep, keep the fire burning. To keep the, to keep the fire burning. And there was a real sense, there was a real sense that things could go either way. Yeah, and you know, I've, I've been seen some winter nights where so it's like, yeah, good. Uh-huh. And there's like, when it's in deep winter, you, you wake up in the morning and it's dark mm. and you don't see the sun until the day's half over and you're like, I could easily believe there will be no sunlight. Yeah. Oh. What's that film with Al Pacino? Uh, insomnia. Have you ever seen no, Insomnia? insomnia. Where well, he's investing, investigating a crime. Uh, Robin Williams is in it as well and he's investigating a crime up very far north and it's one of those places where it gets like dark for three months of the year and it also stays bright for another three months isn't there a vampire film based on that there is, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Night of the Living Dead or something. something something Yeah, twenty-one days of night or something. Yeah, and as. Yeah, all the vi- vampires converge yeah. on this town because they think, oh, this is going to be handy. Yeah, so and uh, so, <laughs> tangents, <laughs> tangents again. And uh, so, um, speaking of vampires, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wild segue there. Wild segue. Your father told you ghost stories. He did. Uh, my dad told us lots of stories. Um, I I sometimes say I'm a third generation storyteller. Yeah. Because my dad has described himself as a teller of other people's stories, which I think is a nice description. Yes, I uh, think so too. Um, our family, we, I'm not big into Christmas. Uh, I think it's a lot of stress and rush for very little payoff. But there was one thing we used to do around winter, around Christmas time, that I really liked. Mm. And weirdly enough, we used to do this on the 21st. Not for any like solstice reasons, it just happened to be the date. Yeah. Um, our Christmas tradition was we would go book shopping. Very good. Which was great fun. We would all go into Hodges Figures and we'd all get a load of books. And I can remember seeing my dad going around with two baskets full right. of books and looking in them going, what's in them? It's like, the history of the pen. <laughs> he thought it might be interesting at some stage. I come from a family of book hoarders. Yeah. But then we would go to the carol service in St. Patrick's Cathedral. Mm. And even though like, we're not Protestant and it's the Protestant Cathedral, it's the prettier cathedral. Yeah. And they've got the really good music. Mm. Um, I can remember like, we'd be sitting there and we'd be quite young, so like yeah. one of us would have started dozing off, and then we'd always manage to be sitting near the kettle drums, which mm. they'd then bang with a huge crash for Heart of yeah. a Herald Angel. Huh? But yeah. uh, the ritual ended this ritual yeah. day, the 
this ritual of our solstice. It ended with us driving home and on the way home, Dad would point out two things. He'd point out Burdock's oldest chipper in Dublin, and he'd also point out Marsh's Library. Uh, Marsh's Library is attached to St. Patrick's Cathedral, and it was built by a man called Marsh, and it is haunted. It's said to be the most haunted place in Ireland. Is it? I thought that was Castle Leslie. Maybe. Maybe. It's the most haunted place in Dublin. Maybe, maybe. I don't know, there's a lot of haunted places. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's ever like gone around with a barometer. Well, the story of uh, Marsh is, Marsh set up this library. It was, I think, the first public library in Dublin in the 17th century. Uh, Marsh was the Archbishop of Dublin at the time. He's had his seat in St. Patrick's Cathedral. And he had no children of his own, but he had a niece, a niece who was his ward. And he raised as a daughter. And she grew into quite a beautiful woman. And beautiful women tend to attract attention from uh, unwanted suitors. And she turned every suitor away. And Marsh was quite pleased with this. She was a studious girl. She loved books, so did he. But one day there came along a young man who was utterly irresistible and utterly unsuitable. Mm-hmm. He was a sailor. And if oh. that wasn't bad enough, he was Spanish. A Spanish sailor? A Spanish Catholic sailor. Oh, and Marsh was not pleased with this, nor the fact that his niece seemed pretty pleased with this guy. And he forbade them to see each other. And of course, any time you forbid young lovers to see each other, oh, yes, yeah, it, it means they're going to elope. Definitely. Um, but before she eloped, she wrote a letter to him, and a letter explaining to him why she loved this man, why she was going, why love should triumph above all diversity of religion, mm-hmm. of class, of ethnicity, that mm-hmm. love was the most important thing, and he was meant to be a man who preached the law of love. So mm-hmm. surely he could understand her love for this man. Mm-hmm. And... There's that great Sufjan Stevens song at the moment, um, where the, the the lyric is "Blessed be the mystery of love," which I, is one of the most profound lyrics I've I've heard, and you know, uh, I, and I listen to a lot of Dylan as well, which is very who is a very profound lyricist, but you know, it just it hits you. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you're you're dead right. He's supposed to be a man that preaches the law of love. And, and yet he won't le- allow his niece to fall in love. Yeah. Um, anyway, she didn't want this letter to be obviously be discovered before they'd managed to get a fair bit of distance between themselves and Marsh. So she hid it in the library, in one of his books. And when Marsh found that she was gone, the story goes, he died of a broken heart. But he died before he could find the letter. So his mm-hmm. ghost is still in the library, and it is still going through the books, looking for that letter. And I was doing a thing in the library last year around Halloween and I was chatting to them because we were doing a story about it. And one of the librarians said, yeah, they, in the older part, they have sometimes found books in, not in the order they're meant to be in. Right. And they don't know, is this people putting books back wrong or maybe it's the ghost of Narcissus March and maybe he is still looking for that letter. Mm. I don't know. But that was our family's solstice tradition mm. and our ghost stories. A very interesting, a very interesting name for, uh, for a bishop, isn't it? Narcissus. Narcissus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it it sounds really nice, but it's like hmm, narcissist. Yes, mm. it immediately yeah it immediately calls to mind the 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 Greek myth of Narcissus yeah. and vanity and. Something that's kind of fallen out of favour. It has, it has. Although everyone loves those daffodils. Yeah. So, uh, anyone expecting a lovely little baby, uh, consider Narcissus as a name. Yeah, consider Narcissus. Uh, don't do the Jacob Rees-Mogg thing and name it 
what was it, Urban or Sextus the Fourth or something? Yeah. Uh, or do the Queen Maeve thing of name all your children the same? <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Name all of your children the same, or the Johnny Cash song would name name your son Sue. Uh, just just so he'd grow up big and strong and be able to fight his way out of a box. Um, of course, the solstice as well, uh, Newgrange being a large fertility symbol, mm. the the shaft of sunlight. It's penetrating the earth and revitalising, refertilising it. Refertilising it. And and being, us all being told that in Leaving Cert Art History class and the entire class bursting into laughter. Yes. It, yeah, it is. Because... I did a bit of teaching back in the day oh, and right. uh, it te- kids are uh, surprised when, yeah. especially like because it's so big in our history to hear that the whole of Newgrange is a giant fertility symbol. Um, it is amazing. And uh, the kings of ancient Ireland as well would have to make love to the Irish countryside in order to fertilise the crops. Yeah, I don't want to think too much about that. Yeah, the king, uh, King Diarmid was the was the last king to to perform that act. Right. Uh, I wonder was, why they stopped. I I wonder. Yeah, I wonder. Well, they well they stopped because he he died, uh, mostly, and it's a good reason uh, to stop. it is a good reason to stop. <laughs> uh, well, he died. He had this bannerman. Dermot was king of Connacht and he had this bannerman who was charged with basically going around the countryside, throwing the king's weight around, uh, making sure that everyone in Connacht uh, was towing the line, was obeying the king and was doing what they were told. But the bannerman had a very curious way of doing it. He had the king's flag Mm -hmm. and he kept it on a big long pole and he would carry it up in front of him. And he'd stand outside the entranceway to the fort and wait for them to let him in. Mm -hmm. But the pole was so long (laughs) that he couldn't go in without lowering the pole. But he refused to lower the pole. So So everywhere he went to, they had had to to make a new door. Make a new door. (laughs) And this was this was basically saying, I'm the king's bannerman and going around the countryside, show how much you obey him by building uh, a new uh, door and one of the lords in uh, one of the lords in Connacht was a brother of uh, Saint Rudon and this brother of Saint Rudon he'd had enough he <laughs> he he said I'm not building a new door <laughs> I'm not building a new door and instead they had the bannerman killed and uh, Dermot obviously flew into a rage because as, you know, as kings do, kings are prone to flying into a rage. And <laughs> he, he says, send for this guy, this brother of St. Rudon, whose name escapes me now. We'll say his name is... Seamus. Seamus. Uh, and he's now th- our mascot. And he's now our mascot. Send for this Seamus uh, and... Send for this Seamus and we'll put him to death. But Seamus goes into hiding and nobody can find him. So instead, they send for his brother, St. Rodon. And uh, the king puts St. Rodon on trial for the death of his bannerman, finds him guilty, 
finds him guilty and decides and because he uh, because the king finds Saint Ruadon instead of the king instead of his brother guilty Saint Ruadon curses Diarmid to die what is known as the threefold death oh. there's a lot of cultures uh, throughout Europe that'll have a thing called the threefold death which is the way you will which is essentially you will die three times and well Diarmid was as I said he was the last pagan last man to perform the ceremony of fertilising the crops by making love to the Irish countryside so he didn't believe this and so he sent for his druid his druid uh, whose name also escapes me we'll call him oh I've heard of this guy this was the one who could like listen to nine conversations at once and then answer them all with one reply <laughs> possibly that yeah. sounds like a very druid thing to do yeah. so my when I heard, first heard that I thought is the answer turn it on and turn it off again yeah, yeah. The druid yeah. as the IT guy yeah that's very true we'll call him um Ned Ned we'll call <laughs> him it's a very Irish name it is a very Irish name Ned the Druid <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he sends for Ned and Ned tells him yes you will die you are cursed but I'll give you the three symbols of your death right mm. you're going to die from uh, first of all uh, there'll be there'll be a shirt woven out of a single seed of flax there'll be a, a beautiful maiden who has never lain with anyone else and there'll be uh, a hock of ham uh, so great big so as long as you don't do these three things together <laughs> uh, as long as you don't do these three things together then you should be fine and <laughs> and fair enough he agrees uh, that this this could work out this could work out St. Saint Ruadon Saint by the way had told him that the symbol of his death would be that he would be crushed by the roof beam from his own palace so his first act was to take out the roof beam as you do wouldn't uh, that make the roof fall in? Well, I'm sure he got the he got someone in to to do. Had someone there holding the roof. <laughs> someone to do a bit of jiggery pokery, but another druid had found the 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 roof beam in in the sea, washed up on when well, it washed up on the shore. The king had thrown it away, thrown it into the sea. Basically, fell well can't die that way anyway and this druid has then uh, invited Diarmid <laughs> over for a feast at, at Solstice and they were sitting uh, they were sitting together he was eating his hock of ham naturally and he said look this is my beautiful daughter mm. would you like to take her to bed and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the father hands over the daughters of the king uh, how did the daughter feel about this well I think the rule was that he could have asked for the daughter and gotten her anyway yeah, so it was nice. it was better to offer than um, to be yeah. forced to yeah. to uh, it is a bit it is a bit yeah. dodgy isn't it and <laughs> the Irish mythology is a bit dodgy <laughs> Not all of Irish <laughs> mythology is a bit dodgy. There's a lot, a lot of, of it be- is very dodgy. <laughs> it's, 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 
there's a lot of beauty in it and there is a lot of uh, action uh, there's a lot of uh, positive stories <laughs> about it. women are very front and centre in oh, the yeah, stories they are. remember there's yeah. um, and they they show that you can be a strong powerful woman and still be a, a villain they that's true don't have to be lovely you, that's very true you know that's very true you don't have to be a carbon copy of the the male lead essentially and um so he's been offered the virgin he's been offered the virgin takes her to bed brings the ham with him naturally yeah yeah and she gave, gives him a beautiful new shirt <laughs> and he's oh this shirt is lovely it's all soft so soft and he's lying in the bed with the beautiful maiden the hawk of ham and shirt. what more could you want what more could you want and she says to him oh yes I know it's soft I wove it out of a single seed of flax and then it strikes him it strikes him in that moment and just as the, the thought strikes him that he's doomed the house catches fire the house catches fire he he runs doesn't he doesn't care about her naturally he legs it and he hides in a vat of he hides in the the vat that they use for brewing the mead so he's hiding a flammable liquid hiding <laughs> well mead was is mead flammable um well it's alcoholic so i imagine if it you know it's getting very hot in the fire. The vapors and fumes are going to catch light. Probably, yeah. It's also quite porridgey, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he hides in the vat, and he's sweating it in the house, getting hotter and hotter and hotter, and he's essentially being he's essentially being boiled, bur- boiled, and he's also being drowned because of the steam and the the water and he uh, he he runs out of the house he runs out of the house and for some reason uh, at the end of the story he's uh, running out of the running out of the house the bannermen of the the druid think that someone has set fire to the house he's running out and his spear is driven through his heart so he dies the threefold death drowning burning and spears for the heart. I heard a, a similar version only instead of a spear through the heart, they've got that wood beam and they club him over the head with it. That's true. And the the beam falls as well in some of the versions. Yeah. Um but also important at uh, the solstice is uh Lou, of course, the mm. god of fire. And to link it back to Newgrange, isn't he meant to have fathered Cuhullin? In yeah, yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of that in the ancient world, wasn't there? The uh, his father's a god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the god came down. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much, you know, Achilles, um, Odysseus. Um, well, at least Zeus generally tended to be in disguise. I don't think Lou bothered with the disguise. I think he should have said, "Hey, I'm Lou." <laughs> yeah. Some action. That's true. That's true. Um, and it, yeah, at least he didn't hide, he yeah. disguise himself as a as an e- an eagle or a bull. Or the woman's husband. Or the yeah. It's a weird thing to happen. That is a that is a weird thing to happen. Is Lou love father? Lou of the Lou of the long arm, 
Now, there's many reasons why he might have had a long arm. Uh, he was... She, Emily is stretching <laughs> out her arm yeah, to see how far she can reach. Yeah. Um, no, Emily's not love father yet. Maybe someday. Maybe. You're get, still, a, get a rack. You're still <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's got Fomorian blood, I suppose. Yeah, he does. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. But his his mother Atham, she's meant to be beautiful and glorious, while all the other Fomorian are a bit demonic looking. Yeah. And his stepmother, Chal Chu, is a fear bullock. She was originally the goddess of fire. Oh, right. And then she uh, handed it on to him. She handed it on. She died. Uh, because gods were... Gods oh, okay. died in, yeah. Yeah, in, in ancient Ireland. And sometimes they came back and sometimes they didn't. Uh, but she cleared the countryside for farming. That was her... That was how the ancient Irish saw fire. It wasn't as something that came out of a mountain or just something that heated your home. It was how you cleared the land for fire. Mm-hmm. Which if you, if you go down to County Kerry, you'll, you'll see a lot of, sometimes. It's illegal now, but it would have been done a lot <laughs> back in the day where you cleared the... You, you burned the gorse. You, bur- you burned a gorse fire, yeah. You burned the gorse on the mountainside to clear it. And... Where was it? Yeah, Lou's mother, Chal Chu, or Lou's stepmother, Chal Chu, she died and he commemorated her funeral with an Olympic style games. Which, you know, is a, don't knock it till you've tried it. Maybe maybe when I die, Emily. We will it, hold the great games of Pody. Yeah, the whole, everyone will have to be naked. <laughs> <laughs> everyone everyone everywhere uh, just like in the very first Olympics uh, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going yes. uh, so he's having these big games for his stepmother he's having these big games for his stepmother and that was the festival of Lunasa so the festival of Lunasa is Lou's festival as it were but it's also a commemoration of, of the funeral of his stepmother um so the later festival maybe at the solstice is much more is much more of the the rebirth of the fire sense and Lou as well would well do you want to talk about how Lou was born all right it's a oh i can't remember, I remember everyone's name um it starts as many old stories start with a princess in a tower yeah uh, her name was Ethan and she was a Fomorian princess and despite most of the Fomorian being demonic sea pirates, she was beautiful. But she had never seen a man, because when she was born, there was a prophecy made. And it was the prophecy that her child would kill her father. Her father was Balor of the Baleful Eye, which I think is a brilliant title. And wasn't her mother Kathleen of the Snaggletooth? Something like Something that, yeah. Great names. Yeah. Um, and Balor got his name because in the centre of his eye, his forehead, or was it in... I think no, like, no, he had... Uh, one eye was good and one eye... Was, eye like, oh, yeah. I always imagine him like having a third eye. Right? Well, what, he had this one eye, which was his baleful eye. Uh, because when he was young, he had tried to spy on some druids. And they'd been brewing up something nasty. Yeah. And when the smoke rose and hit him full in the face, his eye became infected with evil. Mm. So if he looked on any living soul with that eye, they would die. Yeah. And as he grew the eye enormous and the yeah. he became enormous too because there's talk of they had to put an iron ring through the eyelid and get yeah. ten men to pull on it to open it up the femorians could be quite large yeah. as well 
size size in these stories yeah, is, is all relative really yeah yeah um very variable lots, really lots of people are sometimes giants and sometimes yeah. yeah but anyway Balor was probably the fiercest of the Fomorian kings because of this magical eye but he'd been told he could only be killed by his grandson and he only had one daughter and so he decided to make sure she would never bear a child so he locked her up in a tower made of glass had 12 women attending on her and made certain that she never saw a man but she had dreams as many teenage girls do and she knew there was something people weren't telling her but meanwhile Ballard decided to steal a cow because that's what most great Irish stories are about just stealing a cow stealing cows it was a particularly fertile cow or a particularly uh, good yielding cow you could get an awful lot of milk out of it so everyone wanted it yeah Yeah. but it originally belonged to a man called Cian and Cian had been trying to protect this cow and when Ballard stole it he said alright enough is enough had enough of these Fomorians. I know they have been raiding our land, imposing taxes, taking one third of our children away, but it's really taking my cow is too far. <laughs> so he decided he was going to go off and sort Balor out. But on his way, he came across a woman. And I can't remember her name. Ah, why can't I remember her name? She was a druidess and one of the two of days, Amon. And she said, look, Keen, if you fight Balor one-on-one, you're not going to win. But oh. I know how you can get rid of him. Uh, so she dressed him up as a girl and spirited him away to the island on which the glass tower was standing. Uh, they knocked on the door and said that they were noble women seeking refuge from Tuare Dan and unpleasant people. And of course they were welcomed in and they sat down and they offered to make some tea. And mm. in with the tea they mixed some sleeping herbs so all 12 of the women guarding Ethan fell fast asleep. And Kian took off his dress and went upstairs. And things happened. <laughs> That's some fast manoeuvre, yeah. and I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah, just fade to black. Yeah, Ethan go- learned a lot of things that night. To go from not even knowing men existed. <laughs> to, oh, they're quite nice. It's very presumptuous. I imagine a man wrote this story. I think so, too. <laughs> yeah. Or else this is a cover story. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But either way, Keen um, leaves in the morning. Yeah. Um, and nine it's months a, later, fertile man, you know. yeah, nine months <laughs> later, Ethan gives birth to triplets. Yeah. And Valor hears about this and he is none too pleased. So he takes the three babies and he chucks them into a river. Um, and I don't know what happens to one Ethan. of them falls out of yeah, the one of them escapes. One of them, one of them falls out of the sack and is yeah. found by the fear bollock Chalchu. Yeah. Um, um, who takes him on as uh, her fa- her foster son. child, um, so we we've good lord we've we've covered a massive amount of ground there. Yeah. We've gone from Marsh's library. Yeah, um, uh, we still haven't even finished that story. We still no no uh not even close. Um, Lou had uh an, a sword, uh called. Uh, Fragroch, the Answerer. That is a fabulous name. It's a great name for a sword, I think. Uh, Fragroch. I'd it, like to imagine you also have a shield called the Question, but he <laughs> knows that at some stage. Just a massive uh, Ogham version of uh, a question mark on it. Um, so it's like uh, the Riddler. Um, and he had, he had a magical boat called a school. Uh, uh, what is it? 
Scoob, scoob tuna, I think. Wave skimmer. Wave sweeper, yeah, yeah, uh, for scoob like a like the brush, um, and so he had a, a fiery spear as well. The fiery spear is the um, important one, because Balor had gotten to such a, uh, an incredible stage but the but the toxins and the poisons from the druid spell were eating away at him and he was getting he was getting on in years he was obviously Lou's Lou's grandfather and he he was getting on in years and he was quite and they say that it required 10 men using various pulleys to to put the eye into position to, to pull up the eye into position and Lou basically snuck up under him and came very very close and with his eyes shut i believe <laughs> so he uh, be looked at he he cast the fiery spear into the into the eye of balor thus uh, fulfilling the, the, the thus fulfilling the prophecy but you see a lot of the themes there kind of the Echoing and reborn the the, the the almost virgin birth the the almost virgin birth that's true, and the the sense that the the old uh, sick Balor who causes so much blight and destruction is destroyed by the young fertile Lou. Yeah, who brings light and hope with him. Lou was also the god of the law, which Obviously, is and which he's law of craft, god of craftsmanship. Yeah, he he. He was a busy guy, uh, which is odd. It is. It's probably you know, ten, Generally, the father figure mm. tends to be the god of law and and uh, mm. justice. But they had they had to invoke Lou for for, for the law, and uh, yeah, we've covered an almost yeah. an, an almost around of ground, and we're coming to the end of our stories now. We've. We've been nattering on there for quite some time. And we could probably natter on a bit more, but we, we save that for some for a later time. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I was Potty Holly. You were. I think I was Emily. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was Emily. It might have been someone else for a while. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a bit of astral projection coming yeah. and going. Yeah. I was Potty Holly. You were Emily Collins. Thank you all, very, very much. And happy solstice. Happy solstice.